This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 16th of October 2018. The podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anybody working with or investigating big data and advanced analytics. My name is Jon, and here is my uh, almost perfect co-host, Kate Dave. Hello, hello, hello. I'm very well <laughs> fitted, if nothing else. <laughs> hey, you're running ahead to your first article there. We're not going to do that. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, um, another week... Yeah, another slow week. Nothing special happened this week. No, no but, news uh, this week. Let's not uh, talk about that at all. Let's just uh, do some housekeeping. And we're going to try and keep this episode a little bit smaller than last uh, news episode, because that ran over an hour almost. Too much to talk about there. So let's see how we fared this week. Yep. Uh, but first, let's get some uh, interesting stuff for our listeners out of the way, which is the several events that we're actually giving free tickets away at the moment. We are. So the first one on the docket is the Databricks Summit in Asia-Pacific. And by the time this goes live, the Singapore's event has happened. I think the Tokyo event actually happens on this exact day. Indeed. Which actually Greetings if you're at yeah. Tokyo at the Databricks uh, Summit event. If you listen to us, pump up the volume and let people enjoy it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that only leaves the Melbourne event. Uh, so we still have tickets, uh, free tickets available for that one. Send an email to dws18apac at roaringelephant.org if you want a free ticket for that one. Do note, however, that that event has uh, been postponed slightly. It uh, yeah. originally was somewhere in beginning November, I think, but now it's scheduled for February. So yeah. uh, people that had already uh, requested a ticket for that one, I have contacted by email asking them if you still want it. So if you didn't get that email, get back in touch with me. And if you did get the email, let me know if you haven't yet. Um, yeah. Anything else to add about the Data Summit for you? I don't think so. No, I Let's think move on to the next event. So, next event uh, is the Solex Empower event in New York. Uh, as our listeners know from the last episode, we had uh, Sai on to talk about the whole event there and how it's slightly different from other events and should be should make up for a good time there. So we do still have uh, free ticket codes available for that event too. So if you want one of those, uh, look on my Twitter feed. I have been tweeting about and will be tweeting about it some more probably by the time you hear this. If you want a ticket for that one, you have to send an email to solexempower18 at roaringelephant.org. Again, event in New York, focused around big data, the use cases, the value, that side of things. If you're in and around the Northeast, um, might be something might be something useful, might be something interesting. And if you do go, let us know. We'll get in touch with you and maybe ask you how it was. Indeed. And then the final event where last week, uh, sorry, last episode, it was two weeks ago, we hinted about the H2O World uh, event in London at the end of uh, this month, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which we kind of hinted that we might get involved and we were in touch. And uh, yep, we are involved. We have been in touch. We have the free tickets available there as well. And even more interestingly, we will be there. We will be in attendance. We will be getting doused with H2O. H2O, machine learning and AI. It's mm-hmm. it's all going to be there. I'm actually quite excited for this one because H2O is one that's been around in the whole Spark universe for quite a while now. And for some reason or another, I never really had the time or occasion to really dive into this one. And there's a, there's a couple of... Uh, uh, yeah, higher level uh, libraries you can put on top of Spark, and yeah, HO is one of the more well known, more well developed, let's say. 
So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to this event, two-day event with the first day of training, which I really look forward to, and a second day of uh, technical and business tracks. And uh, we will be in attendance and uh, have a show after the event where we will go in more depth, I think. Indeed. Should uh, should uh, give us enough information to uh, to fill a, to fill an hour or so. <laughs> yeah, I would think <laughs> at least that and then some. So for that one as well, I have free tickets and I have tweeted about it and I did not note the email address that you should send a question to if you want a ticket. So I'm going to quickly, while Dave is filling up the time for me, look at No, no, we're just going to listen to you type. (laughs) Oh, isn't he nice? (sighs) It's one of those ASMR videos where it's just, listen to your typing. (laughs) Oh, well, enough typing, I found it, and as I figured, it's quite simple, it's h2olondon18 at roaringelephant.org. I see I snuck in a capital L in there, but as everybody knows, email addresses are not case-sensitive, so anything should work. Again, do remember that all of these tickets, it's a free entry to the event, uh, full event pass, but you still have to uh, take care of your own lodging and travel. We are not yep. that uh, money-rich, so we can help you with that, and... So uh, just uh, see which of these is in your neighborhood when uh, when they happen and uh, let us know where you want to go. So as part of the uh, H2O event that we've been talking about, as uh, someone that can maybe explain it a little bit better, we've got a a special guest, which is John from uh, H2O, currently Director of Solution Engineering in EMEA. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, John. No problem at all. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get find yourself in this uh, this big data AI world? Yes, yes, certainly. So I've been in this big data and AI world for over 20 years now. So I started my career at SaaS Software and mm-hmm. ended there as um, chief data scientist for UK and Ireland. Um, and I decided that where I wanted to go with my career was to explore um, the open source side of analytics. And H2O Mm -hmm. kindly um, offered me an opportunity to grow their um, footprint across EMEA. And that's my current role at the moment, looking to um, grow our technology portfolio across customers um, across uh, Europe, Middle East and Africa. Fantastic. So... H2O, I mean, this is the uh, this is the sort of flagship event, um, I guess, for, for the EMEA region, really, for H2O. Is that correct? Yes, yes, it is. And it's the first time that we've held the H2O world over in Europe. And the, um, so we're, we're delivering a two-day uh, interactive event on the 29th and 30th of October at the London Hilton in Park Lane. Mm-hmm. And what? So, what's the event all about? Who should uh, who should find this event interesting? Well, before talking about the event, maybe just talk a little bit about H two O because I know what H two O is, but maybe not everybody who listens to the podcast does. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, so H two O AI offer actually two main products. So, first of all, there's our flagship product, which is H two O itself. And really what that is, is a leading open source platform that really makes it easy for any um, industry, banking, insurance, retail, anything like that, to deploy artificial intelligence uh, and machine learning. Um, So basically, we're the open source leader um, in AI, and that helps um, 
organizations build machine learning models incredibly quickly, augmenting some of the investment that they've made um, into building out Spark platforms. Mm-hmm. We use around 14,000 uh, customers or companies worldwide, and we've got hundreds of thousands of data scientists using the H2O platform um, with about eight out of the 10 largest banks um, globally using our software portfolio. So that's really that flagship product that's been available since around uh, 2011. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But what we've also developed is a product called Driverless AI, which we released to the market at the start of 2018. And what this product does is automates that end-to-end process that a data science goes through to really accelerate uh, the capability of a data scientist so really using AI to do AI so what that does is automatically does um, feature engineering uh, model building uh, model interpretability and then finally um, produces an object that can be quickly deployed into an enterprise whether that be uh, on-premise or within the cloud so really accelerating that model building process. Excellent. Okay, now. So, excuse as me, I was, interruption. As I Go was ahead. going to say, the other way around, but uh, okay, we'll do it this way instead. So the the event is is your your organization's flagship event. What's the event all about? Who, who should get uh, the most benefit out of this kind of event? So really what we're trying to do is develop a, an interactive agenda that really hits lots of different personas. Mm-hmm. Um, so people that are really getting their foot in the door, first of all, in terms of machine learning. So novices that just want to explore what machine learning and artificial intelligence is about. Um, also, it's relevant for experienced H2O power users who potentially are using H2O as part of their day-to-day job and want to explore more about how they utilize um, their investment in uh, H2O technology, Um, Mm -hmm. but also for business users and business leaders as well that really want to understand the value that H2O.ai as an organization can provide. Um, We've got a number of keynote speakers from industry um, that they'll be able to interact with directly. So really, it it fits a number of different users. We've got lots of different streams uh, with regards to um, business use cases, hands-on training, and some deep dive technical events, which is why it sort of fits uh, a lots of different users there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the what's the what's obviously the the benefit for, for you guys to run this event? Obviously, it's not not all done out of the kindness of your open source hearts. So one of the key benefits of attending this event is you get to interact with um, our developers that are coming in from Mountain View. So a lot of the development um, is done in both Mountain View and Prague, Mm -hmm. and those developers are coming to speak um, at the H2O World event. So this is a great opportunity for attendees to interact with those developers and talk about what additional features and functionality and they would want within the the software um what we've also really a chance a really chance to influence some of the roadmap with you know the things that people are interested and excited in seeing 
Exactly. One of the key benefits that um, one of the key differentiators that we have um, within our software is we, we believe that we can really uh, change the software very, very quickly due to customer demand. And we're seeing uh, driverless AI, um, a new version of that being pushed to market every month. And we really see uh, H2O World as another opportunity for our customers to influence our product direction. Nice, nice. So, I mean, are there any sort of sessions in particular? I mean, it's a very busy, as you said, it's kind of a, the agenda touches lots of different areas and there's lots of different streams. But are there any sort of sessions that, you know, you particularly think would be incredibly valuable or you're particularly looking forward to? Yeah, I think the the two key sessions that really stand out for me that are both on the Tuesday is, um, first of all, the Meet the Kaggle Grandmaster panel. So here at H2O, we um, employ about four Kaggle Grandmasters who have got great experience in solving real-life um, business problems. And what we do is to take their intelligence and take their IP and put that into our product. So driverless AI can have the intelligence of a Kaggle Grandmaster. And what they'll all be doing is coming together on stage to talk about their experiences in entering Kaggle contests um, and show talking about the tips and tricks that they use to maintain um, their status at the top of the Kaggle leaderboard. So it'd be interesting to hear mm-hmm. um, some tips and tricks from them. Yeah, yeah, um, and then an- another key note session is that of women and inclusion in uh, data science. Again, uh, if we look at sort of the world that we live in, it's a very male-dominated uh, world from an AI perspective. And what we've managed to do is is take the late uh, the greatest minds of, uh, of AI and put them all together. And they can talk about um, their impact um, being a woman in the data science uh, world. So it'd be good to hear their view. Excellent. Well, the the agenda itself, as I said, is pretty packed. There's a a lot of a lot of good stuff in there. I think uh, Jan and I are going to split ourselves between the sort of the business and the technical tracks because we are. You know, thanks thanks to you guys, we're we're actually going to be in attendance. So yes, looking thank forward you. to that. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's the, there really does seem to be something for everybody there. Whether you're sort of focused on more of the use cases and understanding what people are, are using the technology for at the moment, or you want to get really deeply hands on and you know have some of the, the the training sessions that you mentioned, which are primarily focused on the first day, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and we've also got key speakers from customers as well. So we've got the head of data science from City coming along, and the principal data scientist from from Travel uh, Travelport, and also a lot of our technologies um, run across GPUs, which really helps accelerate the speed of uh, machine learning. Mm-hmm. And the senior vice president from Nvidia, okay. uh, a guy called Shankar Trivedi, um, will also be doing a keynote speak. Interesting. I can take a busy time oh. at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot going on, which is always always exciting. Yeah. So in that case, I think that's, that's probably about um, all that we have time for right now. Although 
I think, Jon, do you want to mention the giveaway? Um, yes, I can, now we can mention it again. So uh, the people from HOSO have graciously allowed us to give away free entry tickets to the event. So if you haven't seen my tweets about it yet, take a look at it or just know that you can send an email to h2olondon18 or something like that at roaringelephant.org. Check my tweet and you should know how to get your hands on one of those free tickets. Indeed. Um, so I guess the uh, as as always with with organisations in big data and AI, there's uh, plenty of interesting opportunities at uh, H2O, John. Yes, um, I'm currently hiring and ex- expanding uh, my uh, solution engineering team. So if anyone um, wants to go on an adventure and uh, growing out the the uh, offerings at H2O, then feel free to give me a call. I'm on uh, LinkedIn and various social media channels. So it's openings in Europe or in the US? Uh, there's both, uh, both across uh, EMEA and um, Americas as well. Um, also, feel free to go to the website as well, where there's uh, a list of all of the opportunities that we've got available. Fantastic. Right. Any Anything else you'd like to mention to the audience? No, uh, apart from it'd be fantastic to see as many of you um, as possible um, in in London on the 29th and 30th of October. Fantastic. So, of course, if you are interested um, and you don't yet have a ticket, then please, as Jan said, go and uh, see if you can hunt down his uh, his tweets <laughs> about this. He's been fairly uh, fairly prolific about it, so it shouldn't take you very long. And you'll find the email address to uh, send your request for a free ticket to the uh, H2O AI event. Information will also be in the show notes, of course. Indeed, indeed. So with that... You know, thanks, John, for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, look forward to seeing you at the event. Yeah, a couple of weeks from now. Indeed. On with the show. On with the show. And, yeah, I mean, I'm going to switch off Dave's uh, mic and uh, uh, headset at the moment now because uh, he has to he has to legally shut up now. Because, of course, as everybody who listens to the show will have been made aware by some venue, website, email, contact, or whatever. There was the news of the Hortonworks Cloudera merger that happened just about uh, well, a couple of days ago when you hear this. And we were in uh, totally happy because we had a guy on the inside. We had Dave Russell, who is at the moment working at Hortonworks, as you might know. So we have a man on the inside who can tell us all the ins and outs about the whole thing with the single issue problem that legally he's not allowed to even think about it. And as you can see, he doesn't even reply to me at this, at this point because he just can't. And we've kind of decided that we're going to not be covering this uh, important piece of information, important, important uh, piece of news out there. Luckily, there's plenty of uh, venues out there that are reporting on this extensively. So it's not like it's a big mystery. It's not like we can talk about stuff that you can't find anywhere else. But in case you're wondering why we don't cover it, well, this is mainly why there's legal issues, there's legal reasons we just aren't allowed to talk about it. One thing I do want to say on this subject, however, is that uh, our thoughts go out to the people at Hortonworks and Cloudera, because I've been in the situation where the company I worked for was being merged, taken over, whatever you want to call it, and it's a time of... Uh, uncertainty it's uh, annoying it's not a happy space so all the people all the good people and we've i've known a lot of people at uh, hortonworks and cloudera in the days that i've been doing this podcast we've talked to a lot of people there so best of luck to everybody there and let's hope everybody can get through this as uh, happily and uh, quickly as possible 
And with that, let's go on to the news. I'm going to put my Dave's mics up and live again. Dave, you're back again? Hooray! Yeah, he's back. <laughs> so I was, I was going to ask anything else to add, but I'm not going to. Let's go into the news. So, ETL, ELT, what's it all about? Uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, that's what we always say in the business, right? When a customer asks you a question, that's the first thing you say. That's an excellent question, so you can think about it. So don't <laughs> have to think about it because I have a nice article. Article by Christian Heinzman. Uh, it's on the media, uh, sorry, Medium uh, blog site. And Christian actually is at Grubhub Bytes. And he's written a nice article. It's uh, fairly lengthy. It's more than just a, a blurb. It's actually well thought out. And in there, he gives you kind of a entry-level explanation why this whole ETL to ELT move happens. And, uh, well, these are acronyms. He also explains them, ELT being, uh, sorry, ETL being extract, transform, load, where you have the standard way of extracting data from some source, doing some transformations on them, and then storing them again for consumption somewhere else, which is the traditional data uh, warehouse way of working, which been, mm-hmm. has been done since the beginning of time, since the Stone Age, I'd say. And then he starts explaining how that paradigm sometimes does not work anymore. And what, what I also like here is that he actually does say that if you're beginning, if you're small, don't think you have to change. Because for a lot of situations, ETL, the way it's been done, still works pretty well. But if you get a certain mass, a certain amount of data, a certain complexity in your business, then you kind of come into contact with the things that it doesn't do so well. And then he tells you how to change that, possibly change that, what things you can look at. And he explains how to build a data pipeline. He gives you kind of an intermediate form, which I hadn't really seen an acronym for, and he doesn't give one either, but let's call it ETQ, Extract Transform Query. Where you pretty much so you're transforming on the on the fly, which works mm-hmm. for small stuff, but at a certain point just doesn't cover it anymore either. And at the end of the story, you land in the uh, well, the data lake world, let's say, with the ETL, where you extract and load and then transform only when you know it's going to do with it. And that's the whole data lake approach, right? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, the the sort of he also brings in towards the end of the article. The concepts around scheduling and mm-hmm. a workflow engine and all yeah, that yeah. sort of thing as well, which is, you know, the the full flow of data coming from a bunch of sources through a data lake, through some sort of scheduling workflow, mm-hmm. and then populating into your data warehouse at the end, which of course is the often the nirvana that people want to end up at, but it, it's a journey to get through to that. Yeah, yeah, and the visualizations are, are, are nicely done as well. So I yeah, think to, yeah. if you're looking at starting in this whole data lake, big data world, um, this is actually, a, a, I would almost say a must read, just to make sure that your head's in the right space here, that you actually understand when people talk about data lakes, what that actually means, what it can do, can't do, and why people actually invented that thing. There's a reason behind yep. that. And this article actually... There's, I didn't see much of bias in there. It's really a straightforward explanation no, of uh, no, why they're really doing generic. it. And at the end, uh, he's talking about how at uh, his own environment at Grubhub, they're currently do- they're doing ETL the standard way, running into the problems, and are now moving towards an, uh, uh, the, the modern way, the data, the data lake way, using Hive and uh, uh, S3 as the, the data lake in this case. 
And uh, for them, it's also a, an ongoing process, let's say. So uh, no, I really like this one. Nice. Really a nice find. Right. So moving on from a, a very sensible, reasonable, uh, you know, high value, there's a lot of business. <laughs> Intelligent. Uh, and and, uh, and IT sort of smarts going into that. Uh, we're going to move to a webcomic because <laughs> it's one of my articles. Um so those that have been in, anyway. well, yeah. I mean, those that have been in the the tech industry for a while will probably be familiar with XKCD. Never heard of it. Uh, one of uh, one of my favourite <laughs> web comics um, takes an amusing view on you know technology, uh, maths, and a whole bunch of other things. And towards the sort of tail end of, of September, um, he sort of released an article with, uh, sorry, released a comic, which had uh, a bunch of different sort of graphical curve fitting methods against data um, that really you know, are quite entertaining. Yeah. And it's curve fitting methods and the messages they send. Indeed, <laughs> like indeed. <laughs> so like a linear regression, uh, sorry, a linear sort of uh, you know, line through a data. Hey, I did a regression and so on. Um, <laughs> Really, really, I mean, I thought it was great when I saw it. Uh, but this article is actually, uh, this came up on the Revolution Analytics blog mm-hmm. uh, at the start of um, uh, start of the month. And it covers the fact that someone has actually gone on and using some R, um, basically recreated those graphs and provides the... Uh, um, including the the XKCD sort of uh, font and everything else, um, and has recreated most of the graphs and provides a GitHub link uh, for the uh, the R and, and everything else. So, yeah, really, really nicely done. Yeah, humor and R, strange bedfellows they are, but uh, it's possible. No yeah, indeed, yeah. indeed. So, yeah. if if you're interested in uh, working out how to how to get some funky graphs done? There's some. There's some it's also nice, something uh, that really goes against your uh, visualization grain, right? Because this is basically <laughs> showing people how not to do it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I mean, the confidence <laughs> interval. Listen, science is hard, but I'm a serious person doing my best. <laughs> exactly. But that's kind of I, I actually. I, I was going to say, I actually like piecewise, which is I have a theory, and this is the only data I could find. And do you know what? It's a, it's disturbing how often that actually comes up. Like, this is the only data I have, so I'm just going to carry on massaging it until it fits what I, the story I want to tell. Yeah, that's the whole bias anyway. thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's fun. It's a bit of fun. Indeed. indeed. Uh, the guy that actually did the R code was uh, Barry Rowlingson. He's got a Twitter yep. as well. We'll have yep. links in the show notes, of course. So, uh, you have a bit of fun Indeed. with R, that's where you go. All right, uh, moving on. Indeed, moving on. I'm moving on. Uh, my turn again. Oh yeah, uh, I was going to read the morning paper. Yeah, it's a bit <laughs> of a weird article. This one. Uh, well, it's or at not least weird. the layout's a bit weird. Yeah, and it's because it's a condensation of a bigger article from a while ago. Uh, okay. uh, that's the first link in the article there. That's actually a uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, university thesis, I guess, from 2012. Uh, uh, and these things aren't well, very bad bad reading material, to be honest. And this is a nice condensation of it. Anyway, going back to the subject of the whole thing, it's a blog from Adrian Collier. And it's called the Design and Implementation of Modern Column-Oriented Database Systems, which is a very nice uh, title that doesn't really cover the, what it's about. <laughs> Basically, he's talking about column stores versus uh, row-based stores. 
And mm-hmm. basically the question, okay, what's a column store and why is it automatically better? Well, short answer is it isn't automatically better. It can be better under certain circumstances with certain things on top of it. Yep. And again, this is just like my previous article, a kind of entry-level article, where if you start looking at column-oriented uh, column, uh, column stores and want to know a little bit more about the things behind it, then it's actually a nice read. Now, it's a fairly lengthy article, and it's kind of halfway. The first half is entry-level, and the second half then goes into detail on the specific things he talked about in the first half. Mm. And that second half, I must admit, I also kind of faded out at a certain point because there's only that much (laughs) (laughs) I can take. But if you're really looking into this and you've had the sales guys around, you had the tech people around making you really salivate for all that row-based, column-based differentiation, innovation stuff, this gives you some cool hard facts that actually shows you, okay, there's this lingo, all of these acronyms, all of this, this, this... this, this special dialect that people talk well this is actually what it's about what it means and it should be a, it should give you a nice um grasp of the whole difference between the two and why mm-hmm. it's different because just saying uh rose uh, a column store is always going to be better than the row store is wrong because if you go like a third quarter of the article down there's a little uh color graph that actually shows you a, a, a TC, TPCH benchmark on a row store and a column store. And at the start, without any kind of optimization, the column store is actually twice as slow as the uh, row store one. Mm. But because of having late materialization, compression, join optimization, tuple at a time, and baseline, uh, sorry, not baseline, <laughs> tuple, optimization, tuple at a time, I'm just reading it from the, from the graph here, that's where you actually get the real optimizations that make uh, column stores. Fast. Yeah, yeah. And I the think only, I've uh, actually you've said column store and row store wrong when I was talking about this at a certain point. So uh, uh, rewind. Yeah, read read the article me. to confirm. <laughs> so the only thing that I found a little bit strange about mm-hmm. this is they they don't really they, they don't give at least for me enough kind of concrete values. I mean they sorry concrete um, descriptions of existing yep. systems so they do mention you know monodb vector wise and c store yeah, more as an uh, example than anything else yeah as as example but to me even those are really quite niche so i i, I would have liked a little bit of a sort of wider comparison mm-hmm. set they were looking at but uh, you know as you say it's it's for about a, an introduction right? yeah. It's more about no, the it's terminology. not. It's about the design and implementation yep. of a modern column-oriented database, yep. um, which you know, yeah, you could say that 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 is something it delivers. But I, I always like to compare it with something that I'm more familiar with, and this is just you know out of out of my wheelhouse. So I, I'm not. I struggle to compare this to anything else that I'm more familiar with. But for those yeah. that want that que- that particular question answered. And, uh, well, for me, it kind of struck home because uh, at Microsoft, we now have uh, column stores in SQL Server as well. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you have this pretty good database system already, and I have column stores in there. Why? Well, why would you do that? And, well, this kind of made it clear for me that there were what the real differences below that yeah, UI, CLI interface are and why things can be better or worse. So it gave me more insight, mm-hmm. more understanding for it. Fair enough. So, yeah, but you're right. It's not really comparing or telling you what's best. It's just giving information. Information is good. Yeah. 
Indeed, indeed. Raw data. It's giving you raw data rather than information. Anyway. <sighs> yeah, talk to me about the raw data. Yeah, well... Uh, <laughs> why do so you do this? Along with, along with my... I don't know why I do this. I really don't. Along with my hatred of the phrase, um, data is the new oil, uh, I have a hatred of people that uh, really try and tell you something that is absolutely blatantly obvious and try and sell it to you as something new and exciting that they've just discovered. And in this particular case, it's an article from Information Age, and the title is Artificial Intelligence, Data Will Be the Differentiator in the Marketplace. Now, uh, anybody that's heard me talking about um, data before will probably have heard me talk about the fact that actually data is not just, as this title says, the differentiator in the marketplace for artificial intelligence. It's the differentiator for everything. It is literally the <laughs> fundamental thing that makes this whole... It, it's even in... It's the second word after big, big data. Um, it's not the analytics that are important. It's not the... Uh, the visualizations or the BI or the AI or the ML, it all starts with the data. If you don't have the data there and if it's not the right data, if it's not the quality of data you need, then everything else falls apart. Um, this was a public service rant. <laughs> I do apologize. Um, Did I have to stop your yeah. rant at a certain point or are you good? Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done now. I'm going to go one step further, actually, and tell you that the title is actually blatantly wrong because the data isn't in the marketplace. The data is what you have. You don't buy the data. If you don't have the data, stop right now and don't do this. I think what they mean is the... They should say what they mean and not implement. uh, You're right. They should say (laughs) what they mean. It's a... Yeah. Anyway, moving on before before I... So, excellent article. We will not be tweeting about this one, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Data. Data is important, people. Well, it is, because without the data, we wouldn't have a podcast, right? So even data is the the differentiator in the podcast marketplace. Absolutely. There. Yeah, submit those iTunes reviews right now. (laughs) 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 Maybe not after listening to this one. Listen to a better episode and then then, then go ahead. Don't just give the stars. Just give us a a real written down long phrases (laughs) about emotion detection possibilities and stuff. Give us, yeah. give us data, yeah. give us data. We yeah. will give you free tickets to events. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we will give you good content, like some good content we're thinking about in the future. See how I segue into that? Yeah, it was very smooth. I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, uh, my last thing I want to talk about, I'm not going to talk about in depth, is uh, a actually came from a tweet that I found uh, that I got from Tim Spann who tweets yep. a lot about NiFi and usually has good stuff in there. And this is a, a new uh, document on the Apache, sorry, nifi.apache.org website called Apache NiFi in depth. And this is not an article, a news article. It's really deep level information how NiFi works beneath the covers, how the flow files work. Uh, it's uh, fairly lengthy, but if you're doing stuff with NiFi or are interested in how resilient it is and how it works with the data under the hood, it's a very good read, but it's definitely not a entry-level read. You really need to have some NiFi under your belt before you can actually digest this one. And the reason I kind of wanted to shout out this one is that we are actually looking at doing some new NiFi stuff on the podcast because it's been a while. Yep. 
And as yes. self-proclaimed Li-Fi uh, fanboys, we have to keep our, uh, how do you call it, our reputation uh, high or low or whatever your opinion may be. Intact, maybe. Um, too late. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, there's some Li-Fi content coming on in the uh, somewhat near future. And if you want to prepare for that, well, this is actually a good article. Although, as I, as I said, it's not really entry level. But, yeah, uh, but it's a it, nice... It, uh, yeah, go ahead. It does go, yeah. So the thing I like about this is it goes through not just um, you know, the details of Nifi, but it actually discusses um, some of the design decisions mm-hmm. of, yep. of why things were done certain ways and yep. not other ways. It's a really, it's very easy for documentation to just say, and we do this, and mm-hmm. then we do that. But this this yep. actually goes into a reasonable amount of depth on you know why things were implemented the way that they were. Really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It also has a nice example there of a, a web crawler template. Uh, you can actually have a web crawler developed in NiFi, which I hadn't really thought of doing. It's a kind of a recursing looping uh, template. It's actually a nice uh, example of a uh, fun stuff you can do with NiFi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, I saw a new, a new, new little icon there, a kind of convergence icon where multiple arrows come to one point. I hadn't used that one yet, so I have to look at that in more depth. There you go. See, learn something every day. Anyway, thanks, Tim, for the for the tweet. Uh, keep sending yep. tweets. I'll keep uh, pilfering them from you. <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. And on that uh, slow news week, that is about all the time we have for today. Hope you enjoyed this serving of bite-sized big data. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find out more information, including a feedback form. You can also follow us on Twitter using the at HadoopCast tag and contact us by email to podcast at roaringelephant.org with any thoughts, comments, criticisms, or other feedback. Until then, my name is Dave. And my name is John. And we look forward to talking to you next week. See you then.